And we just, we just sang that song, Better is One Day in Your Courts and a Thousand Elsewhere. And I, I just want to ask you, you know, when you were singing it, did you mean those words? You know, because I, I, I sincerity is something that's so huge to me. I, I was singing it last night and, and I was just thinking about the words. And I don't know about you, but for me, like worship, the more I worship God, the less and less I care about the style of music or whatever, but the words, this, they just mean so much more to me. And I, I don't want to ever just sing something out of rote or because I'm supposed to, it's a ritual, but, but really to go, okay, Lord, do I really mean these words? And I started to think, okay, a thousand days, was that like three years? And I think, okay, God, do I, am I honestly saying that one day spent with you knowing you is better than three years of enjoying everything else the earth has to offer, all the golf, surf, everything else, for three years or one day of really knowing you? And I thought, God, you know what? I, I really do. I, I really would rather have one day knowing you than three years of just enjoying everything the world has to offer but not having a relationship with you. Because to me, I, I really value my relationship with God that much to where I go, gosh, what is life without Him? I, I just can't picture it. I, I, I can't picture what that would be like for me now that I've experienced Him. Now that I know what it's like to have this intimacy and this relationship with God, it's like, how could I ever go on with life? So, so, so a thousand days, a thousand years without you, I don't even want that. I would much rather have one day and to actually mean these words. And even this morning, just now as we're singing, I was thinking about the words where you go, gosh, my soul longs and even faints for you. It's like, God, is there that, that inner part of me that just longs for you so much? Where it's just like, gosh, when I'm finally just in your presence, talking to you, singing to you, it's like my whole soul just feels like at peace, at rest. You ever get that? Or it's like, oh, I just don't want to leave this right now. I just, I feel so good in your presence, talking to you, God, feeling the joy, feeling... Do you experience these things? And when you sing these songs, do you mean them? Because the worst thing we can do is come here and say a bunch of words that we don't really mean in our hearts. You know, it's like someone, when you, when you give them a compliment or you receive a compliment that, you know, you know the person they even really mean. They're just saying it. Versus the times when someone says something to you so genuine, you know it's from their heart, you know, it's just the greatest in the world. It, it, it's like uh, this week, this week, I honestly, I think I received the best compliment that I've ever heard in my life because of the sincerity of it. And it was from my, my oldest daughter. We were, uh, she didn't even know she was complimenting me, you know, and that's what I loved about it. You know, we're, we're laying, uh, we're just in the living room, and, and they decide to sleep out there one night. And, uh, and, and at night, you know, I'll lay in between my two oldest girls, and we'll pray together, and then I'll just tell stories about whatever comes to my head. You know, just, just, just weird things. And we're, we're, we're laying there I'm in between my two oldest girls, and we're just laughing, you know, as I'm telling this story. And my wife walks by, and my oldest daughter, Rachel, says, says to my wife, she goes, she goes, Mom, when I'm old enough to get married, you think you could take Dad to a copy machine? And uh, she goes, I don't, I don't think there's another one like him. You're so lucky. And I was just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that's awesome. You know, I mean, she had no idea. But inside, I'm just going, yeah, you know, that was the greatest thing I'd ever heard. You know, just coming from her in sincerity, just for the moment, just her thoughts, her feelings. And, and, and for a moment, it's like I felt a glimpse of, of what I've been talking about these last few weeks about how, how God is so glorified in us 
when we are most satisfied in Him. It's like when, when I could come to church and, and, and really have such a great time with the Lord, such an amazing time of fellowship all week long with God, that I finally come in this room and I just shout out, there is no one like you. You know, better than one day in your courts and a thousand elsewhere. And just to say it to him with all sincerity, with all my heart, because I really mean it, really feel it at the moment, to, to, to picture the Heavenly Father seeing a whole crowd of people just saying, you know what, there's no one like you. I found so much pleasure, so much joy, so much excitement in knowing you, and there's nothing on this earth that fulfills like you. Is that what you experienced this week? I mean, honestly. You know, don't come here and fake joy. That's that's the last thing we want. It's for people to come here and just pretend they're joyful. It's like, no, did you really experience it with God because it's the real thing that we're after? There is nothing on this earth don't believe the lie. There is nothing on this earth that is more fulfilling than a relationship with God. Now, this world is full of lies, and maybe the biggest lie is that there's something on this planet that will bring you more pleasure than knowing Jesus. It's a lie. There's nothing like knowing Him. And I don't know if you're in a, a place in your life where you're looking at other things and considering other things and considering you know, giving up your fellowship with God in order to pursue something else that, that may appear to be more attractive or bring more pleasure. I'm just saying that's such a lie. There's nothing like knowing God. Absolutely nothing. Have you experienced that? You know, last week we talked about what a fight it is for this joy. That's not something that just happens to you and you're just automatically joyful all the time, but really there are weeks when we really have to fight for it and how there's this battle for our mind. You know, we, we really want to dwell on the things of God and yet there's so many distractions and so many things in the world that, that divert our attention. How'd you do this week? You know, were you rejoicing through the week? I found myself several times not sensing, not experiencing the joy that I could have in God. And so I would quickly ask myself, okay, well, how come I'm not feeling joy right now? And I could easily just go back to those scriptures that I talked about for those two weeks. It's like, okay, well, am I singing to the Lord throughout the day? Oh, no, I haven't been singing. I've got to get that melody in my heart. A- am I, am I uh, meditating on the things that are praiseworthy? What's my mind dwelling on? I go, oh, yeah, I'm not dwelling on things that are praiseworthy. Am I anxious about things? The Bible says be anxious for nothing. It's like, oh yeah, I have been worrying. Let me kick those out. Let me give it to God and forget about it and go back to rejoicing. Am I rejoicing in the Lord? Because the Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. Am I just rejoicing in the things He's done? Am I thanking Him? Am I thanking God? Do you know, because the Bible says giving thanks always for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. And I go, gosh, I've been awake for four or five hours. I haven't thanked Him for anything. And He tells me to always thank Him. Let me get back to that. Am I speaking to others with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs? Am I talking to other people about the great things that God's doing in my life? It's like, ah, oh, I haven't been talking about that. I've been talking about everything else. And so then I can sit there and go, gosh, and then I wonder why I'm not joyful right now. I'm not obeying the Scriptures of God. And to be reminded, and you know what helped me? You remember in high school when you'd have to remember like lists of things? And so you would make a, an acrostic with like the first letters of each word. It's like, okay, all I've got to remember is 
Erkenmog, you know, <laughs> and that'll remind me of ether and whatever, you know, and you remember the list or whatever it was, and, and, and sometimes those help me, and so I was going through that passage in, uh, in, in Philippians 4 and then Ephesians 5 that we went through, and I said, gosh, is there any way to remember these six things, do they spell out anything, and it kind of does, okay, <laughs> it, it spells out smarts. <laughs> and, and, it, and it's the whole idea. Whenever I'd, I'd forget or I wasn't being joyful, I'd go, okay, S, S, sing. Am I singing? Am I singing to the Lord? Ah, I'm supposed to be singing to the Lord and making melody in my heart to Him, according to Ephesians 5. Am I meditating on praiseworthy things? Remember, he says, you know, don't let your mind just dwell on anything. Only meditate on the things that are true and honorable, right and pure, excellent, praiseworthy. So it's like, am I meditating on the right things? Am I anxious for nothing? You know, like the Bible commands us, Philippians 4.4, 4, or am I worried about stuff? Maybe I'm not joyful because I'm anxious and I haven't given it over to the Lord and just trusted Him with it. Am I rejoicing, always rejoicing in the cross, rejoicing in the Lord? Am I giving thanksgiving for everything? I've got to start thanking God again. Am I speaking to others about the praises of God, about the great things He's doing in my life? And I found that whenever I would just go to that and remember the words of Scripture and actually do it, it's like, boom, my joy would come right back. And again, reminding myself, you know what, this is, this is a choice. This is a choice. This is a choice for me to do these things every moment. Joy is something I fight for. Joy is something I choose to have in my life. And the, and the minute I coast and stop obeying these things, I'll go right back into depression or whatever else. We, we all have the ability in this room to think ourselves into a depression. And we all have the ability in this room by the power of the Holy Spirit to do these things and experience the joy of the Lord again. You can go ahead and turn that off. I don't know if those things help you, but for me it's like, okay, good, good, good. Am I being smart? Am I being smart? You know, am I, you know and just to remind others, you know, when they're down or whatever, to say, wait a second, are you obeying Scripture? Because Scripture is given to us for that very reason. God wants us to live joyful lives. But it comes when we obey these things. You see, when I um, when I read this book, I don't see that it's you know it's it's the very words of God, but it uses human authors, and and when I look at the way they write, I don't see a bunch of people that are just writing this because they're forced to, they have to. Okay, here's what I got to do. I, I see this these people who are just saying, I've experienced God and it's been so amazing that I got to write you and tell you about it. In fact, if you have your Bibles in 1 John, I, I love the way he puts it. Because this, this is the way I believe that we ought to be. Sometimes when we talk about uh, sharing our faith with people or telling others about Jesus, it's all about this guilt and going, oh, I know I've got to do this. But that's not the way I see it in the Bible. In 1 John, 1 John, it's in the very back of your Bible. You've got Revelation at the very end, then comes Jude, and then uh, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. So it's at the very end of your Bible, the Third to the last book. First John, verse 1. Listen to how he words it. Now this is John, the disciple, from best we can understand, one of those who walked with Jesus. And he's talking, and it seems like he's a, he uses the term we, referring to him and his colleagues who were there and got to experience Jesus. And he says this. He says in verse 1, That which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. John, John goes, I'm talking about the one who was from the beginning. 
Think about this. He's going, God. Okay, you, you've existed 30, 40, 80, 90 years. Think about the one who was here from the very start, the beginning, the creator. He goes, I'm talking about him, and he's going, I got to see him. He goes, I saw him. He goes, my hands touched him. He spoke, and, and my ears heard him. And, and, and what I'm telling you, I'm telling you what I got to experience in this relationship with him. And then in verse 2, he says, he goes, the life appeared. He appeared on this earth. And we've seen it and we've testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which is with the Father and has appeared to us. And then I love what he says in verse 3. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. He goes, you want to know why I'm writing this? He goes, because I have fellowship with God. He goes, because me and my friends, we actually have a relationship with Him, the Creator. And do you realize this? I talk to God. God and I are, are like intimate friends. He calls me his, his child. He calls me his bride. And, and, and I talk to him during the day. We have this relationship, this intimacy, and he goes, and I'm writing this because I want you to experience this. I want you to be in this circle that I'm in with God. And he goes, and, and in verse 4 he goes, and I, we write this, to make our joy complete. He goes, he goes, as joyful as I am in God, you know what would make my joy complete? Is if you were in this too. Isn't that exactly how you feel? Don't, don't you go, gosh, I just love this relationship with God. I get so much out of my walk with God and, and the more I learn about Him, the more I'm just thrilled about Him. But you know what? If only my family, my friends, my neighbors, the people I work with, if they could experience this too, then my life would be complete. I could just die, right? I mean, isn't that what we feel? It's not this thing where it's like, I must tell others about Jesus, you know? It's not this commanded thing. It's just like, gosh, this is my heart. I've experienced it. I've tasted it. The Lord is good. And I want you to taste. I want you to experience. I want you. Gosh, I wish I could take you up on the mountaintop with me. You know, when I'm just, just me and God and we're just talking, I wish you could feel what goes on in my heart, you know, what goes on in my soul, where my soul does faint and, and long and just like, oh, this is it. I'm communicating to my Creator. This is amazing. And I wish everyone could feel it. And that's what John's saying. He's going, I've just experienced this, I've tasted it, I've touched it, and man, would my joy be complete if you got it also. Right? That's, that's what we're talking about here. You see, my, my prayer is, is that there would be a movement here in Simi Valley. I mean a movement where, where everyone is, is so joyful. Everyone in our church is so fulfilled, so satisfied in God that we can't help but just long for everyone else to experience this. It's, it's, it's not enough for me to go, gosh, I love God and I want everyone to love God and that's good enough. It's about all of us being crazy about Him. 
let me put it this way. Let's say after church today, we, we all head over to, or you, just you, head over to Macaroni Grill. Okay, just go to the restaurant. And the waiter comes up to you. The waiter comes up to you and says, hey, you've got to try uh, our special today is an eight-ounce filet mignon. And you go, okay, you know, okay, go get my drinks. I'll think about it. Now, that's, that's fine. No big deal because, of course, the waiter's going to say that, right? You know, the waiter's got to, you know, push whatever they're telling to push. But what if as you're sitting there waiting for the waiter to come back, suddenly you see the guy at the table next to you, and he, he, he has the filet mignon, and he cuts a little piece, and, he, and he, he reaches across the table to his wife going, Honey, you've got to try this. This is the best piece of meat I ever had. You know, and then suddenly at the table to your left, there's a lady there who's eating it going, I don't even like steak, but this is great, you know. And then there's a guy at the table behind you going, I used to be a vegan, you know. And then, you know, and, and suddenly everyone is talking about the steak. You're going, what in the world? And, you know, when the waiter comes back, it's like, man, I, wanna, I want whatever they're having, you know. I want a piece of it. You see, in the same way, it's one thing for me to get up every week and go, gosh, you know, God is so good, because people just kind of go, oh, yeah, yeah, he's a pastor, he's got to say that, whatever else. And it's another thing when suddenly their neighbors are going, God is everything to me. And suddenly at work, this cubicle, you know, the person there is going, Man, I've got to tell you about my relationship with God. Everyone's going, ah, i got to tell you. Suddenly his brother, his sister's calling and going, man, I've got to tell you about my relationship with God. And suddenly everyone's finding so much pleasure, so much joy. It's like, what are all these people experiencing? And God gets glorified. And everyone can point and say, it's Him. He's brought me so much joy. This whole book is about people all throughout history who have found so much pleasure in Jesus Christ. You see, but, but it's not a, a movement starts when other people experience the pleasure of God, the joy that they can find in God. You see, we are about to launch our greatest effort in the history of our church towards reaching every single individual in our community and helping them to understand the love of God. You see, it, it, it kills me to think that thousands and thousands of people will go to bed tonight in our city having no idea how much God loves them. And we've talked about this, this DVD project we've been working on where we got all the Hollywood guys coming in, filming it, just, just putting tons of time and money into this, and it's finally completed. And uh, we're sending it off to be duplicated this week, and we're going to get like 50,000 copies just on the first run. And, uh, and the whole point is we, we want everyone in our city to see this. Um, we want all of our friends, our family to see this. Um, but I wanted you guys to see it first. And, uh, and, and so we have a copy of it and uh, the rest of them won't come in for another two or three weeks, but we want you to see it first. And, and as you watch this presentation, it's just a simple presentation of what God has done for us. As you watch it, just picture your friends, your family, everyone in this city getting a glimpse of what God has done for them. As we watch, if you can turn off the lights and uh, show the video.
A mentor of mine once warned me not to get so busy in life that I just kind of rush through everything and not think. I have this tendency to, to just kind of wake up in the morning, get going on my task, kind of rush from one thing to the next without really stopping to think about what I'm doing, you know, whether I actually should be doing what I'm doing or, or whether I want to be doing what I'm doing. I just kind of do it, you know, you just get into the day. And, and man, it's like every once in a while I need to just kind of get away from my own little world and, and just pull away and escape and think for a moment. I mean, I mean, stop and think about life right now. Stop and think about the fact that right now you and I are standing on a giant ball that's spinning at a thousand miles an hour. Am I the only one that thinks this is weird? <laughs> the fact that we're, we're flying around this ball of fire that's like a million times our size. We're flying around this thing at 67,000 miles an hour and we just go, yeah, it's just another day. This isn't another day. There's nothing normal about it. This place is amazing. It's gorgeous. Don't miss it. Think about these bodies we're living in right now. I mean, the way we're created to feel. You know the, the feelings you get when you first fall in love and you just want to scream to someone, you feel like something inside you is welling up? Or, or, or the feelings you get in relationship, like for me it's with my daughters and I tell you, when I hug them, you know, it, it's like I, I've got all this emotion inside where I just want to squeeze them to death and scream out how much I love them just crazy about them. What is that? And, and, and even, even things like laughter, okay? Like, like most people never even think about laughter, but to me it's like, you know when you laugh, whether you're a person that just, you know, just laughs your head off or you're one of those people that just kind of goes, <coughs> you know, and you try to hold it in. I mean, what is that? What, I mean, stop and to me, that points to God. That makes me think, you know what? That is amazing that God would create something like laughter. You know, the Bible says there's no way you can experience all this, feel all this, and see all this, and then go, ah, I think it just was all an accident. I, I think it just came from nowhere. There's no way. The Bible says that you have no excuse, no excuse for not believing in God, because you can see God in everything. And I know when I talk about the Bible, people cringe because it just seems like every time you hear someone talk about the Bible, you get this feeling like they're trying to take something from you. You know, and some will flat out say, yeah, yeah, I want your money, but it's like, you gotta understand that the whole message of the Bible is not about this God in heaven who wants to take from you, it's about this God who wants to give to you. I mean, the fact that the Creator, the one who made all this, actually loves us and wants to give to us, and, and if you miss out on that, you're gonna miss the whole point of your life. message of the Bible isn't about how there's this awful being up in heaven who's given us these harsh commands that, that he just forces upon us. I mean, even his commands, it, people talk about them like they're a bad thing when his commands are a gift to us. They're a necessary thing. When he says, thou shall not murder, he's just saying, look, you know, I think your life on earth would be better if you don't kill each other. When he says, don't steal, don't rip each other off, he's saying, you know, this would be such a better place to live if you guys didn't rip each other off, you didn't lie to each other, you just kind of were honest with each other. And, and, and he says, you know, if you could love each other as much as you love yourself, this, this place would be amazing. 
But when we look at these commands like they're an awful thing, when in reality we know in our hearts that these are good laws. They're necessary. That's, that's why we get annoyed. We get angry when, when someone violates these laws because it's a violation of us. It's, it's hurting us. It's hurting someone else. We get angry. We, we even want to see justice. You know, there are times when you just want, you, you almost want to see the wrath of God poured out on someone for, for violating these laws because it's destructive. And God's saying, you know what, these laws are for you. I, I think where it gets tough is when we start looking at ourselves and we start thinking, okay, what about me? Like when I think about myself, I know I've broken these commands. I, I've broken a lot of the commands. And, and honestly, there's a side of me that freaks out thinking, you know, what, what would it feel like to stand before this, this, this awesome, amazing God one day and, and, and have Him question me? I, I used to not think about it a whole lot because I used to feel like I was a pretty good person. I feel like, you know, compared to a lot of other people, I'm good. You know, it's kind of like when you're in high school. Remember when... Uh, when you get in a classroom and the teacher would say, I'm going to grade the class on a curve, and you, you look around the class, you see some people that you know, just aren't as sharp as you, and you, you kind of breathe a sigh of relief because you know that compared to them, you're totally fine. Well, I feel like we do the same thing with judgment. It's like we, we look around and we try to find the most evil people we can find in the world, and we'll say, gosh, that's so wicked, God's going to judge them. And what it does is it makes us feel okay about ourselves because... Compared to them, we look pretty good. The problem with this, though, is that God's not going to grade us on a curve. It's not like God's going to line us all up and say, you know what, you guys are more wicked than those guys, so you guys are the bad people, you're going to go to hell, and you guys are the good people, you're going to go to heaven. That's not what God's judgment's all about. It's about Him lining us up to His law, and as He goes through His law, it's really not going to take a whole lot of time before you realize that you're guilty. So think about this. God created you and I. He gives us these laws. We break His laws. So at the end of our lives, He has every right to punish us as severely as He sees fit. He's the Creator. And so if our lives ended that way with His punishment, that would be perfectly fair, perfectly just. But I'm going to tell you the most amazing truth in the world, and you've got to get this. Listen, if you haven't heard a single thing I've said this whole time, you've got to hear this. Despite everything you've done in your life, God still loves you, and He doesn't want to punish you. In fact, in the greatest act of love ever, God Himself had His Son come down on the earth, take the form of a man, and be nailed to a cross. You see, Jesus was taking the punishment for our sins. If no one was punished, God would have been unfair because a crime was committed. But the crazy thing is that you and I are guilty. We're the ones that messed up. And then God has His own Son punished for us. Why? 
The Bible says it's because He loves us that much. You guys, this is the most amazing truth in the world. The God of the universe loves you. I, I used to think that I understood the love of God. I used to think that I, I, I believed this stuff. And then, and then I had kids. And one day the, the thought crossed my mind. What would it feel like if I saw one of my daughters nailed to a cross? <laughs> it absolutely drove, it made me sick. It drove me crazy. I mean, try to think about the person that you love the most on this earth and think about them being nailed, being crucified on a cross. It's horrifying. And to think that God, God, the Creator, went through that for me. Guys, it's just, it's amazing. Think about it. What else in life even compares to this? Seriously. I, I mean, it feels so good just to be loved by anyone, but to think that the creator of all of this loves me that intensely, because that's what makes life worth living. This is awesome. So you have to make a choice. See, God right now wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to forgive you. Regardless of anything you've done in your life, He wants you. But you've got to choose to accept Him. Now there's a lot of people who think that they're good, think that they are quote-unquote good people. The problem is that we're not going to get to judge ourselves. It doesn't matter what you think about yourself. It's a matter of what does God think about us. It's not like there's this little old man at the end of your life that's going to stand on this you know, little pedestal and go, hey, what do you think of yourself? And you go, oh, I thought I did a pretty good job. No. When the Bible talks about God and what we face up to at the end, it says that there's this, this massive God on this throne and even the angels are covering themselves up with their wings and screaming out how holy He is. We stand before that God. And it's that God that's going to look at you, look at His law, and I'm telling you, you're not going to come out innocent. It's not this, this partially guilty. No, it's, it's either guilty or innocent. And we're all going to be found guilty. The thing is, is, it's that same God that's saying, I don't want to punish you. I want to forgive you. I want a relationship with you. What I'm talking about isn't a religion. It's not about joining some cult or religion. It's just talking to your Creator, having a relationship with Him. In fact, God says, we become His bride. It gives that picture of a bride. It's a picture of intimacy. It's a picture of love. It's a picture of a relationship that's, that's greater than any relationship we can experience as human beings. It's intimacy with our Creator. It's almost as though the God of the universe is proposing to you right now, saying, look, I love you. I want to forgive you. I want to spend eternity with you. Man, I'll wipe out everything. He says he'll forgive you as far as from the east is from the west, all the way to the depths of the ocean. He goes, man, that's where all the garbage from the past is. We'll just put it behind us and let's start this new relationship. God's begging you. It's like he's on a knee, you know, handing you this ring and saying, man, will you take me? Will you enter into a relationship with me, almighty God? And you have to say, I do. That's it. It's saying, yes, God, I do. Man, if you hear anything I'm saying, don't go running 
to some minister or this or that. Just, just, just get on your knees or just go. Get alone with God and just say to your Creator, you know what? I love you. I know that I've messed up, but now I understand your son paid for that. That blows my mind. I want to spend eternity with you. I want to begin this relationship. I want to follow you. But don't just say it. Don't just say, okay, God, I'll follow you. Because I tell you, there are people all across America right now that say, yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, I follow him. And then you look at their lives and it, it doesn't show. Jesus said, if you really knew me, you would obey my commands. I mean, it, 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 it's this idea of trust, saying, you know what? I trust this God. He's done everything for my good. He's given me life. He's given me His laws. He's given me forgiveness. And so I believe His commands are going to be for my good. See, that'll show by your lifestyle. Look, this isn't my message. This is the message of the Bible. It's God's love letter to you. See, these aren't just random thoughts that you can casually give or take. Your whole eternal destiny rides on this. And you can know today for sure that you're going to heaven. It's not Jesus plus good works. It's not Jesus plus rituals. It's just Jesus alone. It's not Jesus or something else. God's provided one way to escape His wrath and enjoy friendship with Him forever. The God of the universe is crazy about you and screaming out for your attention. So don't just walk away and go back to your routine. This could be the greatest day of your life. Stop and think. Just imagine everyone in our city just getting a glimpse of what God wants of them. I know many people are just look at that and say, I don't have anything to do with it. But it's my prayer that hundreds, thousands of people would see that and go, wow, so God actually wants to give to me. And he wants to enter into a relationship with me. And I thought that we have an opportunity to get this out to everyone in our city in the next few weeks. And, uh, and we have a plan, a strategy on how to do that. And so Johnny Carls um, is going to come up and just explain to us uh, how we can make this happen. Can you guys come up and help me with something? Guys? Yeah. I just got to put this uh, map up here. This is Simi Valley. A satellite photo of Simi Valley. I don't know about you guys, but I've been a Christian for a long time. I've been born again. I, I understand that I'm a sinner and that Jesus Christ came and he died on the cross for my sin. I know that I get to go to heaven when I die. Not because I'm a good person. It's because of the blood of Christ on the cross. I want to share that with people so that more people can go to heaven. I don't know about you, but 
I've, I've been in places before where I said, man, I, I really want to witness to somebody. I really want to tell them the good news. I wonder if Francis would come along with me. Anybody been there? Well, he gets to come along with you now. Okay, and it's simple as getting a DVD, and you, you take it to a friend, hand it to him, you say, check this out, it's 15 minutes. Let's talk about it when you're done. So that video. We're going to have those available for anybody who wants them uh, to, to go and hand to their friends, family, neighbors, send them across the country, whatever you want to do. I mean, me personally, I'm going to send one to everybody I know, from my previous career to all of my friends and family uh, you know, that live up north. And I'm just going to say a little note in there and just say, this is what I've been talking to you about all these years. Watch this and let's talk about it. It's not confrontational. It's, not, it's, just, it's allowing them to experience what you've been talking about, clearly communicated. Okay, so that's the first thing that we're doing. So that, it's going to be available to everybody. It's two bucks. We're not making any money. The whole idea is just to, get, to cover our duplication costs and to get this thing out to whoever you want to, whoever you want to share the good news with. The second thing we're going to do as a church, as, as Cornerstone, is we're going to hand deliver one of these to every home in Simi Valley. And here's how we're going to do it. If we can get most of you to, to volunteer, in your bulletin is a, a white sheet. Check this out. It's very simple. If we can get most of you to commit to, to hand delivering 100 videos, and this is what you do. You walk up to the doorknob of people in your neighborhood, you hang it on the doorknob and go to the next house. Okay, it's that hard. How long do you think it would take to do 100 homes? I did a little research a couple days ago. What do you guys think? 100 homes. Actually, I've got to be honest, though. I didn't walk up the sidewalk to their doorknob. I just walked the street. How long do you think it took me to walk 100 homes? What? Anybody else? See, I was, I was thinking two hours. It took me 24 minutes. So you figure you double that for the walk to, from the street up to the doorknob and, you know, a couple seconds to hang it. And then... Okay, so you're talking an hour or two to reach 100 homes. Now, if we, did, if we have 100 or 400 people commit to 100 videos, do the math, that's 40,000 homes. That's Simi Valley. Okay? And what we've done is we've divided it up into 16 different zones. So if you live in Simi Valley, you live in one of these zones, and on, the, on your uh, sheet there on the back is a map, and you circle what zone you live in, if you prefer to distribute in your own zone, or you can go to somebody else's. If you, if you want to be really, dis, you know, don't want anybody to see you, that's okay. You can go out at 6 o'clock in the morning, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. And so we'll contact you, and we'll give you like a street or two, and say, here you go, here's the videos, here's the little plastic bags, go for it. Okay? So if you want to be a part of that, fill out this, this card, and make sure you do both sides, and hand it to the ushers at the exits. The whole idea is to take the good news of Jesus Christ, the joy, the source of our joy, to as many people as we can. But we want to cover this valley, first of all. And if you don't live in Simi, if you live in one of the surrounding areas, help us, because this is only the first phase. Who knows what we're going to do next with this thing? But be a part of it. Don't miss out. Uh, thank you, fellas. Thanks. They just look good. <laughs> hey, you, you guys, 
you know, I've seen things that, you know, where you think a program or something is going to be so good and impact so many people and then it doesn't. Then other times when there's just something so lame and it, it spreads all across America, you know, and you just realize it's really not, it's all about prayer. It's all about the hand of God. And that's why when I think about this project, it's like as much time and thought and energy and effort that's gone into it, really it will do absolutely nothing without prayer. And I, I really mean that. And that's my biggest fear is that we go, okay, we did it well and we, we filmed it just right and we got the right cameraman and the colors and everything. Just, that's, that's, that's not the issue. The issue is, is how much have you prayed for the hearts of people that are going to receive this. And I, I think it's by God's providence that we're not getting these for another two or three weeks because it makes us focus these next two or three weeks on prayer and really praying to God that he would do something and repair people's lives for when they receive it. Here, here's how I'd like us to, what I'd like us to do for the next two minutes. As you watch this, you probably think of people in your life that you would love to watch this video. And what I want you to do is I want you to write their names down so you can pray for them. In fact, just to take the next couple of minutes, just grabbing a pen. If you don't have a pen, the ushers will come forward with, with a basket full of pens and just write on your bulletin or on your notes or, or wherever um, just some names of, of people that you'd like to pray for. And, and even as you're writing them right now, we're just going to give you a couple minutes of silence just to pray for these people that God would prepare them to hear about his love. And during this time, maybe some of you are going, gosh, you know, that video wasn't for my friend. It was really for me. I don't have a relationship with God, but I want to start that. I want to experience this joy that I see these other people in this room are having and experiencing. And you want to pray with someone. I'll be up here by the prayer room with some of the other pastors and counselors. And over the next two or three minutes in this time of silence, if you need to talk to someone, we'll be up here. If you have any questions, we'll be up here. But right now, just, just take a couple minutes of silence to write some names and just begin praying for them, and then I'll close this in prayer in, in, in a couple minutes.